I'm thankful for uh, our worship team uh, who uh, throughout this Christmas season has dedicated so much time uh, to leading us in uh, worshiping and focusing on our great Savior, uh, the one who is worth celebrating uh, this Christmas season. Uh, I I don't know where you find yourself uh, this Christmas. Maybe you identify more with O Come All Ye Faithful and Maybe you identify more with, O come all you unfaithful. Maybe as you sit here today, you're feeling pretty joyful and triumphant. You're excited for Christmas. You're excited for uh, what the future holds. Or maybe you are weak, unstable, weary of praying. And, And the good news is that wherever you find yourself today, The invitation is the same, and it's to come and see what your God has done. Come, see what your God has done. Behold him, because Christ is born for you, for you. Uh, That's one of the phrases in the Christmas story that I don't think I'll ever be able to get over. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior Christ the Lord. This is a claim that the Bible makes through the announcement of the angels that that there was a baby who was born on a real day of history, not just to parents, Mary and Joseph, but there was a baby that was born to you. He was born for you. And whether you have been faithful or unfaithful, Whether you are joyful and triumphant or whether you are weary and unstable today, I would invite you to come and see what God has done for us in this story of Christmas. Uh, This Christmas season, uh, we have been doing a series uh, that we've called Grace Appeared, and our desire for that series has been that we would celebrate, see and celebrate the grace of God this Christmas. We would see and celebrate God's grace this Christmas, because it's not the works of man that bring salvation. What we've done is not where our hope lies. It's not where our joy is found. It's not where our peace is found. It is the grace of God that brings salvation. And God's grace is not a theoretical concept. It is tangible. We believe that grace physically appeared to us in the form of Jesus entering the world. And Uh, John described the arrival of Jesus this way in in John 1, 14 through 18. This is John's gospel, verses 1, 14 through 18. He says, And the Word, that's Jesus, became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with with God, and the Word was God. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. 
No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. Let me pray for us as we begin. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that we can come and see what you have done tonight. So we're thankful for the truth of your word, and we recognize that this is where our hope is found. These are the words that transform us from the inside out. It's only based on the truth of what you have done. And so I just pray that we would get a better glimpse of your glory, that we would see you tonight, and, and just the, mere, the miraculous grace that came to us at Christmas. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We, we believe that these words from John chapter 1 are, are true because they are part of the inspired word of God that's been sovereignly preserved for us. And we believe so much in the sufficiency of Scripture that I want you to know that what I have to share tonight, even on a beautiful night, candlelight service, Christmas Eve, what I'm about to share really doesn't matter unless it agrees with what God has said in his word. And, and my mind has just been captivated by the wondrous truth that we find in John 1:16. For from his fullness... We have all received grace upon grace. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. There's a a lot, in theory, there's a lot of fullness at Christmas time. Uh, Parking lots are full of cars this time of year. Uh, And maybe after dealing with all the traffic this month, you're ready for some people to hibernate for the winter, right? Like, can people just go home, get off the road? They're so, it can't get anywhere. Our our calendars are full of events. Uh, Tonight, maybe stockings will will be full. After Christmas dinner, our, our stomachs will probably be full. Next week, our garbage and recycling cans will be full, of Amazon boxes and wrapping paper that's been torn up. And in a little different way, one of the themes that you can trace throughout the Bible is that we have a God who is full. God is full. Uh, this is Romans eleven thirty four through 36. For who has known the mind of the Lord, or who has been his counselor, or who has given a gift to him, that he might be repaid. Can we give God a gift? Mm. For from him and through him and to him are all things, are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Maybe you have that person in your family that's impossible to get a gift for uh, because if they wanted it, they would have already bought it themselves. Some of you are looking at each other. Some, of you, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We we have we have those people in our family, right? You feel like this person already has everything, uh, and and to a greater extent, that is our God. If he wanted it, he would have created it. He didn't have to buy anything. He created everything. For from him and through him and to him are all things. So we do not have a needy God. We do not have a God who is lacking in any way. He is full. And the revelation of the Bible is revealing to us what God is full of. When John says that from his fullness, 
we have all received grace upon grace. That fullness is talking about the totality of who our God is. He's talking about the totality of our God. He, he wants us to think about the fullness of God, the totality of all that God is. So from the beginning of creation, right, we, we learn that God is creator. And John actually made this point earlier in John chapter 1, John 1, 3 through 4. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Our creator God made the world and everything in it. He, he placed Adam and Eve in the garden, and for a brief moment in history, Everything on earth was good in the eyes of our great God. Then Genesis 3 happens, and the serpent tempted Eve. And Adam and Eve, who were created for God's glory, decided to seek their own. Instead of trusting God, they wanted to become like God. They, they believed the lies of the serpent rather than the truth of their eternal father, and sin entered the world. And then God showed up to the garden where he had previously enjoyed a relationship with his creation. And their response to the presence of God says it all in Genesis 3, 8. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. Because God is holy. And a holy God can't be in the presence of sinful people. And sinful people don't want to be in the presence of a holy God. Death occurred on that day because death is separation from God who is the author of life. You keep reading through the pages of scripture and you will learn that our God is just, which means that our rebellion against him must be punished. But when we turn to the book of Exodus, we also learn that God is a rescuer delivering his people out of Egypt. We learn that God is a provider, meeting all of Israel's needs even while they were wandering in the wilderness. We learn that God is a protector, time after time delivering his people from enemies much greater in number than themselves. We learn that God is faithful. He is a covenant-keeping God. Even when we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. And so on and on you could go, looking through the revelation of God's word and listing the characteristics that describe the fullness, the totality of our God, everything that he is. And, and by the way, as you think about the character of our God, you need to know that God is not part of all of these things. He's not a little bit of this and a, a little bit of that. No, he is fully holy. He is completely just. He is fully loving. He is completely faithful. He is all of all of these characteristics. He is the definition of these characteristics. And all of who God is, is immutable, which means that God never changes. He never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, so God is not hiding he has revealed himself through creation and through his word because we have a God who communicates with us. 
which is, which is amazing. Uh, that's why John describes God the Son as the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the message that God has communicated from the beginning of creation is that His greatness is so beyond everyone else that the best description, the best description of God is to say that He is the I am. The best way you can describe God is as the I am, because God is the answer to every question. So you ask him, are you all knowing? His answer is, I am. (laughs) Are you all powerful? I am. Are you always present? I am. Are you infinitely wise? I am. Are you loving? I am. Are you just? I am. That's who he is. He's the I am. So we see that. We see the fullness of God, the totality of who he is, revealed through the pages of Scripture. But we also see our sin, and we see that we don't measure up to who he is. And so that leaves a critical question that we should all be asking on this Christmas Eve, which is this. Is the greatness of God great for us? Is the greatness of God great for you? Because if all the revelation of God's greatness does is reveal that we can never be like him, right? that, that we don't have any hope of ever approaching him because his greatness is too great for us, then that's not great for us. Would you agree? Right? That wouldn't be so great. If God is just this amazing God who has all these characteristics and we're nothing like him and we can't approach him, that's not great for us. There's not much hope there. There's, that's not good news. And that was actually the message that was communicated through the setup of the temple in Israel in the Old Testament. God's presence on earth among his people Israel was represented in what was known as the Holy of Holies. It was set apart from everything else. And and the message was, we are not good enough to enjoy the presence of our great God. So Gentiles and ceremonially unclean Jews could only come so far, right? And women could only get a little closer unless they needed to make a sacrifice. And ritual washings had to be done even for Levitical priests to enter into the holy place. But even then... There was a veil. It was like a big keep out sign that separated the holy place from the holy of holies. And only once a year could the high priest enter and make a sacrifice on the mercy seat. So there was this constant reminder, even in the setup of the temple, that God is great, but we are not. So because of our sin, we can't come. We can't come in. So how, how can the greatness of God ever be great for us if that is the reality? That's the question that began to be answered by the very first Christmas. John 1, 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. The great God who we could not approach, approached us. That's what we celebrate at Christmas. Colossians 1.19 says, For in him, for in, in, in Jesus, 
all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. The totality of who God is took on human form. God came near to the people who had all rebelled against him. Does that mean that we need to be afraid? (laughs) Like, our great God has arrived. We are sinners. We don't deserve his grace. Like, what, what's going to happen? What are we going, what do we need to do? Do we need to be afraid about what Jesus came to do? And the angel said to them, fear not. Do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all, for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This is for you. This is for you, shepherds that no one cares about. This is for you, single mom who wishes that she can afford more presents for her children. It's for the man that's struggling with addiction. It's for the people that are going to have too much to drink tonight. It's for the one that just lost their job. It's for college students who don't know how they're going to survive another semester. It's for those grieving the loss of a loved one this Christmas, and it just doesn't feel the same. This message is not just for the privileged or the select few. For unto to you is born this day a Savior who is Christ the Lord. How is God's greatness great for us? For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. That verse could just as easily say, From his fullness, we have all received the judgment that we deserve. From his fullness, we have received the reality that we don't measure up to his righteous standard. But no, 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 no. Our great God doesn't give us what we have earned. He doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us what we don't deserve. Grace upon grace. That's why we have something to celebrate every Christmas. And so maybe based on your experiences, you feel like all that you've experienced from the fullness of who God is, is a raw deal, right? You you feel like God has been mean or God has been stingy towards you. you. You don't feel like God's very loving. You don't feel like God is very gracious. And I want you to know that from his fullness, you can experience grace upon grace this Christmas. Because on a real day in history, not once upon a time, no, in a real place, in a real place, not on a snowflake inside of a snow globe, in a city that still exists over 2,000 years later, Jesus, the one who created and sustains the world, came on a rescue mission to the world that he had made for the people who had rebelled against him. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. The fullness of God pleased to dwell in the form of a little baby. Before Jesus arrived, the ultimate representation of God's presence on earth was was the Ark of the Covenant that resided in that Holy of Holies. And that ark could not be touched by human hands under penalty of death. And just realize how significant that is. A box, a box 
could not be touched because it simply represented the presence of our great God. And now, in a little town of Bethlehem, Mary is holding God in flesh in her hands. Ceremonially unclean shepherds are invited to come to the presence of God. Magi come from the east. Gentiles welcomed into God's presence. Not because our sin no longer matters, but because the remedy for our sin had arrived. Jesus, God himself, would live the perfect holy life that we should have lived. And then Jesus, who was full of deity, made himself nothing, becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. He died the death that you and I deserved to die. He took the just punishment for our sins against him on himself at the cross. And the cross was the display of the glory of God full of grace and truth. The truth, we are not good enough on our own. Grace, I will be good enough for you. The, the truth, because of our sin, we deserve death. Grace, I will die in your place. The truth, you can't see the glory of God and live. Grace, you can look to Jesus and live. Because Jesus rose from the dead he conquered sin and the grave. He ascended into heaven, promising to return. So if we come to the end of ourselves and place our faith instead in the perfect life, sacrificial death, and victorious resurrection of Jesus, if, if we bring our nothing to Jesus, we recognize there's no gift we can give to him. He owns it all. And we just bring our nothing to him and say, Jesus, I need your grace. I need you to be the king, the leader of my life. All your sins are forgiven. The righteousness of Jesus is credited to your account. You become part of the eternal kingdom of God. The Holy Spirit of God fills your life. The God who is full fills us. This is the good news of Christmas. From Jesus' fullness, we can all receive not the judgment that we deserve, not shame, not rejection. No, from his fullness, we receive Grace upon grace. Isn't that good news? Grace upon grace. So I have a question I would like to ask you this Christmas Eve. Have you received the fullness of God's grace this Christmas? Have you received the fullness of God's grace this Christmas? Have you received that for yourself? Uh, one, one concern I always have at Christmas is that these messages just sort of get lost in the flow of traditions. Because this, this is a great night. This is wonderful, right? We, we, some of us get dressed up. Some of us are wearing Christmas pajamas. It's great, right? Whatever your family tradition is, this is wonderful, right? We, so some of us get dressed up. Some of us don't. And, and, we, and we're with our family and we sing carols and, and we get to hear from Luke 2 and we're about to light our candles and then we're going to go eat dinner. And maybe some of you are rebels and you're not even waiting until tomorrow to open presents. You're opening them tonight, right? I mean, you didn't have to build that character of waiting until Christmas morning. That's okay. No judgment here, right? Uh, uh, but we get to open presents, and all these things are great. All these things are great. As long as they serve as the means to the greater ends of worshiping Jesus as king, of re remembering the gift that he freely offers to us, 
Right? Why do we exchange gifts? Because we want to be reminded of the gift of grace that was so graciously given to us. And so as we come to a time when we're going to light our candles, we're going to sing Silent Night, I don't simply want this to be a tradition that gives us some warm, fuzzy feelings that you haven't felt yet this Christmas. My hope is that we will recognize that this room is going to be an outward picture of what Jesus came to do in our hearts. It's an outward picture of what Jesus came to do in our hearts. He came to bring eternal peace to your soul. He came to bring light into the darkness of our sinful selves. He is the Son of God, loves pure light. Radiant beams from His holy face with the dawn of redeeming grace. Grace upon grace. Jesus, Lord, at His birth. We are going to be singing to the one who always was and always will be the King of Kings. And from his fullness, we receive grace upon grace. So if you've never placed your faith in Jesus, I pray that you will receive the greatest gift in all the world this Christmas and receive Jesus as your Savior. I want you to know that God is not far away. He's not distant. He is not hiding. He is with us. And from the totality of who he is, from his fullness, you can receive the most marvelous grace. The most marvelous grace. Let me pray for us, and then we'll go into a time of lighting our candles. Uh, Heavenly Father, we are so thankful tonight that we get to celebrate the gift of grace. We're so thankful that you have not given us what we deserve but that at Christmas, you gave us what we did not deserve. So I pray if there's anyone here tonight that has never experienced your grace, the gift that they could never earn on their own, but that you freely offer to them, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of your righteousness, the gift of peace and joy and hope in you No matter our circumstances, I pray that tonight would be the night that they receive that grace. This just wouldn't get lost in the flow of traditions, but they, they would see who you are for the very first time and that they would recognize their need to have you be the forgiver and leader of their life. So thank you, Jesus, that you did not leave us on our own. But when we were lost in darkness, light came to us. May you get all the honor and the glory that you deserve tonight and every single day. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.